Every once in a while, a new 30-something man will join me at my table in the corner and offer to buy me a drink. But I always turn him down, fully aware such offers come with strings. But when a blonde guy in his 20s sat beside me tonight, I couldn't make myself ask him to leave. I wanted to. It's pretty much my standard rule. But as soon as he opened his mouth, the protest died in my throat. I'm tipsy when I leave the bar. It's late. Later than I've ever stayed out. I can tell it's closing time because the staff has started wiping down surfaces and resting upturned chairs on tabletops. My companion for the evening has disappeared, and no matter how hard I try, I can't recall his face. The parking lot is nearly empty, and my car is in the furthest corner under a burned-out lamp. I didn't think much of it when I arrived, but the spot looks a lot more menacing at two o'clock in the morning. I adjust my grip on my keys, the way I learned in self-defense class in sixth grade, preparing to use them as a weapon if necessary. But the alcohol in my veins slows my reaction time and the metal clinks as it hits the ground. I should recognize the rough scraping sound of feet dashing across the gravel-strewn parking lot, but it takes me a second too long and the man is upon me before I can react. My balance, already precarious from the alcohol and the angle I'm bent at to retrieve my keys, fails completely as he impacts me from behind. Jagged stones gouge my palm and elbow as I attempt to break my fall. Give me your money, he growls, his hands already yanking at my purse. His face is shadowed under the hood of his dark sweatshirt, and his breath reeks like hot garbage. I should just let it go. The bag is falling apart and there's only $17 and some change in my wallet. But there's also a picture of my dad and me from the summer before he got sick. It's the only picture I still have of him, and I'll be damned if I give it up without a fight. I scrabble at the packed earth lot desperate to cobble together a handful of dirt. When he rips at the purse again, I spin and aim my pitiful arsenal of sand grains and pebbles at his face. The hell! He howls, releasing his grip and pressing his meaty palms to his eyes. I use the momentary distraction to scoop up my keys and clamor to my feet. The adrenaline spiking in my system clears my head, but my movements are still uncoordinated as I dash for my car. I'm twenty yards away. I can make it. I know I can. I grip my car keys, wishing I'd spent the money to upgrade to keyless entry. There will be plenty of time for him to catch up when I'm unlocking the door. Ten yards away. Five. His hand catches my hair and wrenches my head backward, pulling until I stumble. A sharp, searing pain shoots through my abdomen again and again. Three, four, five times, until I drop to the ground. My vision swims as I look up. There's just enough light from the nearest street lamp to glint off the pocket knife he holds as he bends down to relieve me of my purse. I just wanted your money, he says as he backs away. I want to call out, but the back of my throat fills with blood, choking my words. This is it. My end. I've thought about it countless times before. I spent so many nights wondering whether my dad was aware of the moment he moved from life in his drug-induced coma to death and whatever came next. I like to think he knew that he was prepared. I always wanted to die that way, with as little unfinished business as possible. But this death is far more like my mother's. She was anxiously awaiting the next phase in her life, when she suffered a postpartum hemorrhage in the hours after I was born. The rushing in my ears is punctuated by the steady crunch of gravel. I try to turn toward the sound, to verify it's not my imagination playing tricks on me. 
but my body isn't responding. If someone is coming and he calls for help, there's no way I'll hold on long enough for it to arrive. Hell, even if this guy's a doctor, I doubt he could save me. Blackness encroaches on the edges of my vision, and it's getting harder to breathe through the blood. A face appears above me. The man's dark curls are wild like he's been running, and his gunmetal blue eyes fix on mine with an intensity that removes me from my body, from my pain, from my struggle to take in my next ragged breath. Fear flashes in his gaze, the same kind my dad always tried to hide when he spoke of his chances for survival. But this man is a stranger. Why does the terror etching his face feel so personal? I gasp. But instead of air, I swallow warm, thick blood. Spluttering and choking, I lift my arm, hoping the stranger will understand what I need. I don't want to be alone when I die. 